Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Hey, good morning, y'all. Just a couple quick announcements and we'll get right back into worship. So uh, you guys have known this for a while, but uh, we're still announcing it. Operation Christmas Child, uh, the next kind of phase in this is we've been kind of getting supplies together and all that sort of stuff. Now what we're asking for is families who would be willing just to uh, grab. There's papers on this back counter here. And so if you've got a kid who can uh, maybe write a letter that gets packed in the boxes, there's some coloring things, gets to know a little bit about the area in which you live and all that sort of stuff. And so would you please grab a uh, piece of paper back there and start having your kids color it. Doesn't matter how young they are or anything like that, you can help them fill it out. And it's just a way for them to be able to connect with, hey, this is where this box is coming from and all that sort of stuff. There have been some of you who have asked, hey, is there anything that you guys need to defray the cost of shipping those boxes out? And so if you would like to, uh, the suggested thing on that is about $3 a box. And so if if you would like to do that, you can fill out a check or drop in some cash. But just write on the envelope or the memo of the check, Operation Christmas Child, and we'll make make sure it goes where it needs to go, okay? Uh, yes, ma'am. This is Julie. She's the head of, so that's why I said you could actually talk. So I'm just joking. It's $9, not $3. Great. Awesome. So it's, it's $20, $10 to you, and then $9 to them. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. $9, $9. There we go. Yeah, the shoebox is basically just the, uh, the thing that gets us in the doorway to say, here's the real point of why we're doing shoeboxes is to share the gospel. And so there's books that go through a whole entire teaching with them to involve them into going, hey, here's the step of salvation. Here's how you know a little bit more about, uh, about God. And so that $9 just doesn't go all to shipping. It goes to actually printing all those materials and being able to do those classes. Thank you very much. And so please be a part of uh, that Operation Christmas Child with us. And there's more information coming out about uh, the packing day and all that sort of stuff. Um, Youth group has been going on now for about six weeks. And so what we've been doing for youth group is uh, they've been meeting in homes. And then at the end of kind of their Bible study, we're bringing everybody together to kind of just have a night of worship and, uh, and just games and then have somebody speaking. And so uh, on October 30th here at the church, we're going to be having a, a bonfire. Um, and so if you are from the ages of sixth grade to 12th grade, please uh, come uh, share with us. Um, what's been going on with you, but also uh, worship and all that sort of stuff. And so that'll start at 7 o'clock in the, uh, uh, out in the parking lot. And so we'll have it blocked off. Just uh, for a couple other announcements, just please look on the right-hand side of your bulletin as things uh, are coming along and just be ready to uh, be a part of uh, this church and the things that we're doing around here. Uh, there is one kind of thing that I would like to kind of... Um, highlight within there is on November 7th, we are going to have a membership class. And so uh, if you have been interested in becoming a member of our church uh, at uh, on that 7th at 530 in my office, what we're going to just do is we're going to knock it out in one day. It's been usually like we've done four uh, weekends, uh, four Sundays in a row. But what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to have dinner for you and we're going to be in my office for a couple of hours and we're just going to go through, hey, what does it mean to be a member? What does our church believe? And how do you join in and being a part of, uh, just a part of the church in the process of serving and in the leadership of our church, okay? And so be, be looking into that. And the last announcement that I have is uh, I am looking for anybody and everybody available to help me after church today. Um, And so what we are going to do, we're trying a couple things out uh, for our children's ministry. And so uh, we would like to start seeing if we can use children's ministry in this side of the building on Sunday mornings and different things like that. And so we have a bunch of couches up in the youth room 
that we need to bring downstairs and just a couple of the uh, pool tables and ping pong tables and hockey table and foosball table, we're going to bring those uh, downstairs as well. And so if you can help just help us move those down, that would be awesome after today. And so I've got a couple of guys that are going to tell you where those all go and everything like that. And hey, we may have to move them back up there, but that's okay because many hands make light work and uh, it's exercise. So I'm helping you out. All right. Great. Uh, if you uh, notice in front of you, there is a welcome card and you are brand new here and you know we do not have your information. Uh, would you just please fill that out for us and drop it in the offering plate as it goes by? Um, also, if you know we don't have the, your correct information, we are still finding people who uh, Olivia will call up and go, hey, I've been sending you emails. And they're like, oh, you need my email address. Yes, we would like your email address. Or if you change your phone numbers all the time, it, it's not a thing now. But uh, if uh, you can, just please fill this out for us and drop it in the offering plate if you know that we don't have uh, all of your information. And the last thing that I uh, really uh, focus on every week is these prayer cards. Uh, every week I ask you, would you please fill them out so that we can be praying with you, uh, so that we can be a part of knowing what's going on in, in your life and enter in and say, hey, uh, God, we're, we're asking for you to um, just do a miracle or um, see God, how God works in your guys' lives. And so if you would please just fill out these prayer cards and drop them, drop them in the offering plate. Uh, our staff prays about it um, all week long, and then I give it over to our prayer team, and then they put that on their uh, prayer list. And so please would you uh, fill one of those out and drop it in the offering plate. And I have one last thing that uh, before we get into prayer, um, Leslie Bishop called me this morning, and so uh, her husband Jack passed away at 8 o'clock this morning in Malta, and so if you can just be uh, praying for uh, Jacob and Jackson and uh, Leslie, that would be amazing, and uh, Delee uh, Husted and just kind of leading, uh, not leading, but talking to the family and all that sort of stuff, and so just be please praying for that family. Or would you pray with me this morning? And God, we are constantly blown away by you, by your goodness, by your mercy, by your grace, by your love that uh, you bestow upon us. God, we as a church family come this morning and we want to say we, we want to give you the praise that you're due. We thank you for the week that you brought us through and we're asking you to continue to lead us into the next week. But right now we want to focus on worshiping you and giving you the glory that you deserve. Because God, you can take care of all things and that you, um, that you care for all things. And so Lord, whatever the situation we come in the doors with this morning, Lord, would we lay them at your feet and would we, would we know that you have got all things under control? And we can open up our hearts to you for you to speak to us, for you to guide and direct. And, and Lord, uh, would we be open to your spirit's calling on our lives? Lord, we are so thankful that your son came and died for our sins so that we could walk in newness of life and we could know that you do have a purpose for us. And that we want to be your witness everywhere we go. And so, Lord, may our worship to you this morning be in spirit and truth. Would you continue always to walk with us all the days of our lives? We love you, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I'll ask the ushers to come forward and we'll take our morning's offerings and then uh, we will get into some worship. Thanks. Uh, let's see here. Three years old through fourth grade. You guys can head on out of here. Three years old to fourth grade. And for those of you who brought your Bibles, why don't you flip open to Acts chapter 18 with me this morning. For the... Uh, Really, for the past year, we've been searching through Acts for what it means to be a church and what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. We've watched 
men who were scared to admit to knowing God, to be emboldened, to be heroes of the faith. We've seen how men completely change what is important in their souls to, uh, in the light of the gospel message, we've seen the gospel message that Jesus is the Messiah everyone had been waiting for in the Old Testament, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we could have life and life abundant. God would no longer hold our sins against us as the full wrath of God was placed on Jesus. We had the truth in flesh. Christ himself was God teaching us how to live, how God created us in the first place. We've seen that Jesus would not leave us alone, that he would actually do what Acts 1, 8 says. And this is the whole entire uh, book of Acts kind of placed on the foundation of Acts 1-8, which you see every single week, and it's right here uh, with us. Um. <laughs> All right, there we go. You ready? Let's read it together. All right, one, two, three. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the whole point of Acts, right? Is the fact that as we've walked through all of those things to see that we would be the witnesses of Jesus everywhere we go. Since we're not going to be left alone, the Holy Spirit would be our God, would be our guide to follow God's commands and be his witnesses everywhere. And so kind of as a little bit of a wrap-up, and all of that is where we're getting to in Paul's life, that Paul has been now kind of going to the outer ends of the earth to go, this is what it's all about, setting up churches everywhere he goes. And so today, that's what we're going to kind of look at, but I, I kind of want to uh, kind of catch you up for those of you who might not have been with us uh, for the last couple of weeks. And here's a really quick synopsis of that, okay? So Paul has been going through Europe, starting churches everywhere he goes. Uh, he just came through Thessalonica, sets up a church there, in Athens, and sets up a church there. And now he finds himself in Corinth. So he's been going through these couple of churches. As he's been going on, he ends up in Philippi where he frees a girl from being a demon. From, from being a demon. From being demon-possessed. Wow. It's going to be a fun day, y'all. Here we go. Sly's not working. Me not reading right. Hey, but he releases uh, this gal from being demon-possessed. He gets flogged for it. He gets put in prison, but he's freed in prison because of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave, though, right? He sits there, and a the whole entire jail family gets saved. He then has to leave because of that and goes to Thessalonica, but he's in trouble because people call him troublemakers. He's been giving them a hard time in the life that they've been going through, and so he's saying, no, would you just change your ways? And so the people start getting mad. They're going, you're messing up the way we're living. Everything was fine and okay for us. And now you've brought Jesus and wait a second. And he goes, this is for the better. But what happens? He gets brought in front of a pro-council once again. Actually, not him, but his friends do. And they extort money out of them because they're saying, because of this Jesus guy, you're messing up the way we've been living for years. And if you haven't listened to some of our sermons, go back and listen to them on podcasts. But really what we're talking about is this, is that people think that it boils down to money in this life. And Paul's been trying to tell them, wait a second, it's not. It's about understanding how God has created everything. But then he ends up leaving and going to Thessalonica. And when he's in Thessalonica, once again, people are saying, you can't be here. You're messing up our way of life. And so the church in Thessalonica sends him to Athens, where we talked about last week. And he leaves Athens, because people are just kind of apathetic to his way. 
They're just saying, ah, we're just indifferent. Basically, your story of Jesus Christ is a good story. And if that's the path that you want to go on, you can just go ahead and go on to that. But we, it, we don't feel like it's for us. And so he leaves Athens mentally exhausted. He's been beaten. He's watching the world just kind of refuse Christ over and over again. He goes to Athens and is completely mentally exhausted. And now he travels 50 miles to Corinth. And let's talk about Corinth for just a little bit. Corinth is 50 miles, once again, from Athens. It is the largest, most cosmopolitan city of Greece. It has two ports, right? One port where they unload everything, and then they actually cart it all the way across to the other port uh, in this city because it's better to cart it than it is to go around uh, some of the treacherous waters. And so there is a lot of unloading and loading, in fact, actually, Greece coined a phrase for the Corinthians because it was such a port. Uh, they created this phrase, and I'm not going to do the word because I would completely butcher it, but literally, it means to be a Corinthian, which is to live immorally. The city's really not more than 100 years old, and so everything is brand spanking new. The new temples that they've built for all their gods are new. In fact, actually, just a few miles outside of, uh, of Corinth is the temple of Aphrodite. And so they say that almost every night they send a 1,000 prostitutes into the city of Corinth. But then inside the city, they built tons of, uh, tons of aqueducts and, and uh, even underground uh, underground waterways because in the middle of this city is uh, the city of a God who heals. And so they constantly bring all their sick people and they're hoping that this water will help heal them. And so once again, Paul finds himself in the middle of another place that can be mentally exhausting and they are, everything is about importing and exporting. And so in some of his letters in Corinthians, he even tells them at the very beginning, I came to you a completely broken person. I was tired, I was worn out, and I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I was asking God, what are you even trying to accomplish through my life? And so today I want to talk to you about lemons. And you're sitting there going, how in the heck do lemons have anything to do with Corinth? But let's pray first. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we dive into this, Lord, would you help us to see your word differently this morning? Would you help us to even see our life in the midst of some of this stuff? Would you open up our hearts to see, our ears to hear? Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your holy name we pray, amen. And so if you've had your fingers on Acts chapter 18, we're going to read uh, this little section really uh, quickly together. It's found, we're actually going to read verses 1 through verses 17. And so here's what it says. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Achilla, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. By the way, I'm not going to sit here much on this, but Priscilla and Aquila, they are pretty amazing people. They, uh, they are Jews that got kicked out of Rome uh, because Rome uh, actually, uh, for a while there, kicked out every single Jew in Rome and said, you can't be here anymore. And these people um, become unbelievable disciples for uh for the church, and in fact, actually, uh, just as a brief note, usually, and this is really rare, uh, Priscilla is usually always said before Aquila, and so what that means is this, is it's very odd to see a woman in ahead of a man's name in the Bible, 
um, or any writings back then. So they're saying that Priscilla was a fantastic, amazing woman in just leadership and uh, leading the church in some ways. And so it's really cool just to see these guys because this is the first mention and then we don't actually hear about them until later on in some of the, in some of the letters. But they had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue, trying to convince the Jews and the Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own hands. I am innocent. From now on, I will go preach to the Gentiles." Then he left and went to the home of Titus Justus, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul became believers and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and took him, I'm sorry, and told him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next one and a half years, teaching the word of God. But when Gallio became governor of, oh man, Achai, there you go, great. Some Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the governor of judgment. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that were contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Galileo turned to Paul, turned to Paul's accusers and said, listen, you Jews, if there were a case involving some wrongdoing of serious crime, I would have reason to accept your case. But since it's merely a question of word and name and your Jewish laws, take care of it yourself. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. The crowd then grabbed Sothian the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Galileo paid no attention. I love this section of scripture. First of all, because we see that even in the midst of, of everything that's going on in Corinth, the Jews are still out there saying, uh, we're, we're still here as a Jewish people. They've created a synagogue. And now the first thing we see is Paul continually goes to them. The people who have kind of their head stuck in the sand because they have the old scripture writings and he tries to convince them it's Jesus. And what do they do? They push him right away. And so he says, fine, I'm going to talk to the Gentiles. And there's one guy in the middle of this huge city that is following Jesus, that is a Gentile. And Paul goes to him and he just, he, all of them believe and then just slowly but surely, God is sitting there going, I'm always with you. Trust me, my story is going out there and you're being a part of it. And so when all seems lost, right, he's out in a city he's further away than he's ever been from home. And he's sitting there going, how is this ever going to happen? I've been beat. I've been tortured. I've been whipped. I'm mentally exhausted. What's going to happen? And God comes to him and says, this amazing two sentences to him that we're going to look at today. But once again, I told you I want to talk about lemons. Because if you've ever seen a lemon, they're really small, right? Have you ever tried to peel a lemon at all? It is the, one of the hardest things to do. It's a super thick, and you're sitting here going, are you going to peel that? No, I'm not going to peel it. It's hard. I just told you. Um, but about, uh, about this, this last winter in March, my family and I went to Costco and we bought a whole bunch of, we bought two bags of lemons, right, from Costco. And, um, and my wife was like, hey, we should juice these. And I'm like, have you ever tried to juice a lemon? Like, it doesn't seem to be worth it. But then I went to my parents' house and, of course, they had a juicer. And so we just dropped the whole entire lemon in and I got very very little lemon juice out of those two bags of lemons. I maybe, maybe got three cups out of all of them. I was shocked. Like, there's not that much lemon in any of these things. And have you also noticed that there ain't nobody walking around peeling a lemon and just eating it? 
I don't, I don't, maybe if you do, raise your hand, please. Yeah, you're weird. Okay, great. So, both, both you two, yep, and it's okay to be weird. We've talked about this already. But uh, very little juice, incredibly small. They're really bitter and sour, right, when you just, just drink it. But do you also understand the benefits that come out of this? Huge benefits. First of all, one thing is this, is, is that they make water at a restaurant taste really good, right? You're like, yeah, I want water in my lemon. Or I want, <laughs> I want lemon in my water. Uh, also, it's interesting that uh, they're used as a garnish. They make things look good. Uh, Tim thought this looked like an onion this morning, so I mean, maybe for him, uh, lemons don't look that great. Um, they're an appetite suppressant, by the way. Uh, they help you uh, not be as hungry. A couple other benefits of a lemon is if you have something really sticky, you can just use, uh, use its oil or some of the juice to get sticky off, right? And it smells good. Do you guys remember like, uh, what was it called? Uh, lemon Pledge. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I grew up with Lemon Pledge. Yep. Um, and then also, uh, they, it's, it's been known just to actually be a natural cleanser, right? Just a benefit of like, hey, it kills some germs and all that sort of stuff. Also, another horrible thing about lemons, if you didn't know, is, is that if you put lemon juice on a fresh cut, it feels amazing. <laughs> but the other thing is this, is that lemon also is a preservative. You can put it in the lemon juice. You can put it in a bag of apples or bananas, right? And your apples and bananas don't turn brown. They actually stay that way. And my kids swear that if you put lemons in your apples, fresh cut apples, your apples taste like Sprite. So, I mean, you can try that when you go home. My kids are just like that. Um, weird. But you also know that there's something interesting. And you know this saying over and over again. And, uh, and you're going to finish it. When life gives you lemon, make lemonade, Right? Make lemonade. The whole entire point of this lemon is this, is that you guys might have come in today in all sorts of different areas. You guys might be incredibly tired because babies crying are keeping you awake, right? Or uh, maybe uh, you guys are going, I don't have enough energy to continue on with X, Y, and Z. I have relationship pro problems. I have family problems that I'm really trying to deal with. I, uh, I'm just trying to hold on, on from financial collapse. I don't know what the future holds. I just got really bad health issue uh, news. How are you supposed to make lemonade when the lemon doesn't seem worth the squeeze? And I don't know where you sit today, a lot of you in here. Maybe your life is amazing. And maybe you just know that your lemon is full of joy and you're ready just to be a preservative for everyone. But I thought it was very interesting that as I looked at the life of Paul and I was going, man, here's a guy that could say, I'm done. This is it. He could have walked away at this point right now and I'm sure everything would have probably, God would have probably used somebody else. But guess what? I don't think that many of us around here would go, yep, that's not a big deal. I say this to uh, some people who come into my office. I say, you know what? You could actually divorce your spouse right now. Nobody in this world would ever bat an eye. It's so common these days. But is that really what God is calling you to do? You could quit that job right now and everybody would be like, yeah, you'll find another job. It's okay. 
you could choose to continue to hide in your sin over and over again, and that's okay. Most people will never find out. But once again, the question keeps coming back to, what has God called us to? What has God called us to? If Acts 1.8 is the foundation of this whole entire book of Acts, the whole point is this, is that God has called you to be a witness. Are you willing to step out and look at what's going on in your life? Maybe are you willing to look at your sin that's just kind of destroying everything and that is bitter and might be small and it seems to be a little sour in your life? Are you willing to get rid of it? Are you willing to say, no, I can't live that way anymore? Have you come to the end of your rope and you're just sitting there going, well, wait a second. My life has to be mean more than this, and so maybe I need to give my life over to Christ, and this is the first step. I'm trying to figure out how to make my lemon life into lemonade. And so I think this scripture, as we look at today, does exactly that. Exactly brings us to the point of going, how do I change this lemon into lemonade? And so if you're taking notes with me, the very first note that I want you to jot down is this, is fear not, fear not. I think of Paul in this situation, and as he's walking through this scripture, once again, like I said, he could have easily walked away and gone, I'm done. Or, I don't want to keep on doing this so that I keep getting beat up. Maybe we don't want to get, maybe we don't want to actually allow our sin to be exposed because we're fearful of what people are going to say to us. Maybe we don't want to step out in faith a little bit and go, God, I need you to uh, change my heart because I'm fearful that I'm actually going to have to look into myself and be, be honest and go, this is who I really am. There's scriptures over and over again in the Bible that bring us back to the point of going, you have no need to fear. Psalms 46, 1 through 3 says this, that God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and when the mountains crumble into the seas. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Any of that stuff can happen, but I'm not going to fear. Because I know what my foundation is. I'm not going to fear. My bank account can be wiped away tomorrow, and I don't have anything to fear. I'm going to ask you guys a question. And I don't need you to answer this, but I want you guys to think about this for yourself. Answer it to me right now, but figure it out for yourself. Has God ever, at this point, failed you? However old you are, can you absolutely say that you can look back in your life and go, yep, God failed me here? If you're honest. And I can, I can tell you a couple things that, first of all, the one thing is, is that all of you got, got clothes on in this room. So God has provided clothing. I'm glad you're not naked, Okay. They say that I'm supposed to imagine you naked, but I don't do that if I'm fearful of speaking. All of you look well-fed. If you're hungry, guess what? Come and talk to me after the service. I can help you with that. So those are some of the physical things. But I understand that sometimes we go, wait a second, God, you haven't held up your end of the bargain. And I'd be really careful finishing that. Because sometimes we're unwilling to look at our own lives and go, wait a second, have I actually held up to my end of the bargain? 
And I'm not saying that Jesus and our relationship with God is a bargain. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that sometimes maybe we should look at our own hearts. You see, when we fear, there's three things that happen to us. One thing is, is that we have a flight, right? We fear something, we just want to run and get away from it all, which solves nothing because we haven't changed our hearts. It just means that we move it to somewhere else and we're okay until the next thing happens that we have to run away from. And so if there is a sin, if there is a relationship we need to fix, or if there's an addiction we need to take care of, or some sort of thing that needs to change in our lives, we shouldn't be running from it. Another thing that we do when we come into fear is we freeze. We don't do anything, right? We ignore it. We say it's not there. We don't even want to take care of it. And hopefully it will just go away on its own. Or we fight. And I'm not necessarily saying that fight is the thing that we should do either. Because sometimes when we fight, we try to do it on our own. But the question is, is, is the reason why we're fighting because we're fearful? Or the reason why we're fighting is because we know what God has called us to be? I read this quote by David Mathis this week that totally just changed my viewpoint on what it means to have fear. And he says this, he says, however discouraged you may feel, your flaging heart never lies beyond the reach of Christ. No matter how troubled, how unsettled, how fickle, how disoriented, how despondent, Jesus can handle your ailing heart. And so instead of fearing, it actually becomes about trusting the character of God. It really boils down to this, is what do you believe about God? Do you believe that in any circumstance, death, emotion, health issues, relationship issues, any sort of circumstance that you find yourself in, do you believe that God has the power to change you in all of those circumstances? I think God is more interested in changing our hearts and minds than he is about changing our current circumstances. I think it's because he knows our sin and understands that changing our circumstances doesn't necessarily change our hearts. Because we definitely want God to either help us with our flight, freeze, or fight mode, right? God, we're going to white knuckle and get it through it. But the very first thing that I want to ask you is, is, are you fighting because you're afraid? Or you're fighting because God has definitely called you to this? Are you fighting because you're afraid or because God has asked you to move? And are you freezing because you're afraid? Or are you just willing to wait on God's grace to enter into your circumstances? It becomes about knowing God's character and saying, God, I trust you and I trust your character more than my fear. And so that's exactly what Paul does in this scripture. He sits there and goes, okay, I'm going to keep at it. So we find out that the next few times he goes and he just keeps on teaching them. He's there for a year and a half. He doesn't run away. He doesn't continue to keep fighting. He just goes, no, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And a huge church is built in Corinth because of it. But the next way we make lemonade is not just by simply looking at our certain circumstance, but actually it's the next step. And whatever that circumstance is, the lemon, we got to start with it, right? To make lemonade, you have to have the lemon. But the next part in when God talks to him in, uh, in this chapter is this verse, right? Or not this verse, sorry. This is, he says, remember, I am is with you. He tells him, he says, do not be afraid. I am with you. So don't be afraid. Keep speaking, but remember, I am with you. In fact, actually, in your notes, I put it this way is, remember, I am God himself is with you. Jeremiah 1.8 says this, it says, and don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you, and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
Psalms 23, 6 says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When we are with God, God makes everything sweeter. I was shocked that we didn't have a whole bunch of like regular sugar, so I just had to get sugar packets this morning. But everything is sweeter with God. Everything is. If you are trying to do it all by yourself, if you've been trying to figure out life all by yourself, you have been doing it wrong. In fact, Paul later on says in one of his verses, he, in Romans 8, 31, he says, what shall, we do, what shall we say about these things that are happening to us? He's talking about these trials and tribulations that are going on, and he responds by this. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? But here's the trick on this. If God makes everything sweeter, make sure that you're not assuming anything of God first, though. I think sometimes when we get into these situations, we constantly ask why right away. We get into a lemon situation and we just say, God, why is this happening? Why are you allowing this? Why would you do this? Are you punishing me? What are you trying to teach me? In one of his, uh, in one of Jesus is saying, he goes, you're going to go through trials. You're going to go through trouble in this life. But let's not make sure, let's make sure that we're not assuming anything of God. God, you did this. I can't believe you would go there. In fact, James 1.24 kind of solves this problem really easily. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for your endurance is fully, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. But what happens when we don't feel like God is with us? What happens when we feel like we're in the desert all by ourselves? That is probably the moment, moment that he's with us the most. It is us changing our hearts and going, God, I need to hear from you. And so once again, Scott Hubbard says this. He says, keep reading your Bible even when you feel dead to God's word. Keep crying out to God even when he feels deaf to you. It is in those moments in which we are constantly being renewed. The scripture is becoming a part of us. When we feel like we don't have any chance to keep going, we come back to God and go, God, I don't feel like you're with me, but here's what your Bible has said. Here's what I know to be true. I can only think about uh, when Paul is all by himself, and we know that Paul has all these verses, and when he's tired and he's worn out, he's going back to, like, the verse in Psalm 23, 6. God, I'm with you always, or you're with me always. God, lead me into all these paths. I know this to be true. Help me understand it. And over and over, we start to see that our situations or even our hearts change not our situation but our hearts change and we see the situations we're in differently and the very last thing he says in his little vision uh, that God says to Paul in in Paul's vision is he says he says once you've not feared and know that I am with you there are lots of people in this city that know me. And so I'm going to put a stretch just a little bit further on what he says there. And I'm going to say this, if you're taking notes, is surround yourself with other believers. Surround yourself with other believers. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. 
I've said that, uh, I've, I've said before to you guys that when you are surrounded by other believers, like we become a church together. And I've also told you that the best, that you should look at yourself in terms of this, that you are the sum of the top five people you hang out with. And so now I'm thinking, I know that you're thinking, hey, who are the top five people that I hang out with? And as I'm pouring this, I know I'm cheating, okay? I didn't want to squeeze a lemon in the very front of you guys because it would be really difficult. But be thinking right now about who you hang out with. Who are the top five people you hang out with? What are they saying to you? How are they a good influence on you? What is your influence on them? Because as we look at what it means to be a church, what we do is we come together and we uh, learn from one another. We quote Bible scriptures to each other and we say, hey, are you thinking about this? As we're sharpening one another and as we're saying, yeah, I think you're looking at it. Or when we come to one another and we go, we just can't go on. I'm done in my marriage or I don't know how to look at things correctly. We've been talking in our staff a little bit about the words we use and the phrases that we go about say, and how we say about things. And as we've sharpened one another, it's been interesting to communicate to each other going, man, I'm so glad that I think differently about this issue or that issue because we have been working together and going, this is what the Bible says. Or maybe we should be looking at life this way. And so when we surround ourselves by believers, we can then go the year and a half. We can then learn with one another and go, I've, I've got this. We can, we can continue on the calling of Christ to be witnesses. And I'm just going to bet, I'm going to bet that if you were honest with yourself, you would realize that when, man, that looks really good, by the way. And I'm not going to drink this. You thought I was going to drink this. Man, that would throw my carbohydrates way over. I'm just joking. I'm going to drink it. <laughs> you would realize this, is that lemonade is best shared with friends. And in fact, actually, lemonade is best. I, fine, I'll share with you. She just said that I'm not sharing. There you go. I do listen, Breezy. When you guys talk, I hear everything you would realize that lemonade is really best shared with friends. Whatever situation that you find yourself in, once again, this morning, are you fearful? Do you realize that God is with you? And are you doing everything you possibly can to be with other believers? To share your life with them? Maybe to open up and go, I am really struggling in this area. Scott Hubbard actually finishes that quote that I read you earlier about keep crying out to God even when he feels deaf to you. Because he says, we'll keep on gathering with God's people even when they don't understand what we are going through. We'll keep on serving others even while we carry our sorrows wherever we go. And we'll keep on sowing seeds of truth and grace into our barren souls, waiting for the day when God takes us home. So even in the midst A feeling like all we have is a lemon life. We desire to share lemonade with one another. In fact, actually, Isaiah 41 10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And how nice it is to go look back when we're sitting on the front porch drinking our lemonade and having watermelon. I don't know why watermelon is just in my mind. But when we're doing that, we can look back and we can go, wow, isn't God unbelievable? Because if you didn't realize, there's a church in Thessalonica where he came from. There's a church in Athens where he came from. 
every single town where he went and he was beat up and, and he was destroyed and he was disheartened. There, a church grew. And it wasn't because of all of his white knuckling that he did. It was because God did what only God can do. And so we stay true to our calling, stay true to you, God, you're calling us to be witnesses. And God calls everyone to this life, to be witnesses. In fact, actually, I'm going to ask the uh, worship band to come up, and we're going to sing our last song together. And the song is called Come to the Table. And the whole entire thing is this, is that God is calling us every single one of us to be in that life in which we are witnesses. And I'm wondering if the life circumstances that you're in right now, can you have a chance to be able to make a little bit of lemonade and call somebody over and sit on the front porch with them and say, hey, can I tell you a little bit about God? Maybe you're sitting here going, I don't know how to make lemonade of nothing. I need somebody to talk to me. Would you be willing to step out and ask somebody hey, can we sit on a front porch and drink your lemonade and you can tell me how to make sense of this a little bit. And so I hope this week that you can look at your life and your witness and go, God, would you please help me this week? God, I don't know if I have enough energy to continue on, but Lord, please help me out. God, I don't want to fear anything, but I want to take the next steps in, in the knowledge that you are inviting me to do that, that you're leading and guiding and directing, and God, I need your Holy Spirit to do just that. And God, I need you to help my failing heart in knowing that you're right beside me. And then when we make lemonade out of all that sort of stuff, I'm going to share it with everybody I possibly can. And so let's sing the song, and then I'll come back up and pray and close. Hope you all have some really great lemonade this week. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, uh, for those of us in this room who have never given our lives over to you, Lord, I, I pray that you would draw us to you. Now God, it's not, about a, it's not about a prayer, but it's about turning and trusting you. And trusting in your way. And so God, every single person in this room needs to trust your way. We have all, like it says, we've, we've all gone astray, but Lord, help us to continue to read your word. Help us to dive into it so that we do trust you more and more. Now, God, that we have no need to fear that you are with us and that uh, as we surround ourselves with believers, man, we can drink some sweet lemonade. God, we love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.